Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I'm going to talk about something that probably the title is a little weird, and that's uncomfortable comfort. Uncomfortable comfort. And I try to find the the weirdest titles I'm able to, to get people to go, what? what's going on? Make you guys think. Makes me think as far as when I see that, because I'm not making a statement that that is contradictory as far as Scripture. Now, in life it is, because no one is has comfort in a position of being uncomfortable. But according to God's Word, it's something that we should be able to live in that position of comfort and being at ease in a time of when things are uncomfortable. And so what do we do is, is we look at these type of subjects because it's in God's word and we allow that word to penetrate into our hearts so that we have something to be able to move out the old way of processing, the old way of thinking. Because ultimately, it's, we're dealing with an issue that everybody deals with and sometimes more intense than others. Sometimes the issue can be something as small as walking down the street and someone looking at you and making you feel uncomfortable, right? And there's different levels of that type of pressure, feeling uncomfortable at that first day of work, that first job you get, those things where that uncomfortable feeling of meeting someone that first time. And it, it's all tied to an understanding of why we feel that way and what's going on within our, in our hearts, in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Scripture and be able to get to a place where we can experience that uncomfortability, that position of not feeling at ease at the moment, but inside a place of peace, a place of comfort arises to where we're able to deal with it. Whatever it is, no matter how small or how big. And that's what God's about. Small and big things. Most people think God's only about the big things. But he said in his word, cast all your care. He didn't say the big cares. He didn't say the cares that, that, that just are, that are overcoming you. He said any care. Cast any care to me. Isn't that interesting? A God, listen, this is what's so wonderful about this faith. There isn't anything out there like it as far as what Scripture teaches. There's nothing that touches this. And so we want this truth. We want God's truth within us because we need it. We need it. I mean, we're just singing beautiful, wonderful songs of how he loves me, how he found me, how he saved me. And, and it's just something when you start thinking about what we're singing about, who we're singing about, it, it just becomes something where it touches your heart. It touches your spirit. It touches your soul. And that's when you start able to open up and say, you know what? No matter what's been going on Monday through Saturday, I'm coming in here to be able to receive life. I need this information. I need this life. I need this pickup. Amen? And that's what helps us go into Monday, because it isn't all about Monday, you know. And, and I know some people start their work on Sunday afternoon, okay? That's your Monday, 
Or if you're off two days, then Tuesday, that's your Monday. Either way, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I want to look at uncomfortable, just the, the definition, causing physical or mental discomfort or annoyance, feeling unease or awkwardness. It's not a good place to be in, is it? And again, it can be all different types of level. Comfort is the easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief, distress, things that contribute to physical ease and well-being. And that's when we read something like, we go, that's what I want. I want the comfort thing, but I don't want the other thing. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I want comfort. Amen? Isn't that a good, wouldn't you all agree with that? Live stream, wouldn't you agree with that? That's what we want. We don't want to have anything that causes that pressure. But I want you to understand that when you have a different view, you have a different understanding, that pressure becomes something entirely different in your life. And because of your new understanding of it, it's almost like you welcome it. And that's where we need to be because it's going to come. And so how do I get to a place of overcome? Amen? Overcome the thing that's going to come. And so that's what we're going to take a look at. Emotional discomfort is born out of uncertainty. We don't have answers. We don't have the information. It's, it's anything you can think of that you get into that's brand new, and there's that feeling of uneasiness. Every time you bring truth into the factory, you bring answers, it builds security. Every time. It's when we don't have answers. You can um, tie this into everything based upon fear and anxiety. Because fear and anxiety is unknown. You don't have the answers. You don't know for sure. It's that future picture. And there's no answer to help you take care of the problem. And so it causes things in, in our physical bodies, in our mental Minds in the area of stress, emotionally, physically. So all these things are we deal with, some more than others, but we all deal with them, amen? And so we have to have these answers. No one likes feeling uncomfortable. That's something we have to understand. It's not something that we wake up in the morning and say, make me feel as uncomfortable as possible. So what I do is, you know, I go out and make sure that I buy a car that's too small for my legs. I go out and make sure it doesn't have air conditioning. Why pay for air conditioning? We live in Phoenix. Who cares? Roll down the window. So we, you, you, no one's going to go through life trying to make themselves uncomfortable. We're going to do everything we can to be comfortable. I mean, even if I get on, when we used to go to Magic, um, Magic Mountain, and we'd go there and take the teens there and stuff. You get on those rides. And I love those rides. But the thing is, is I also want to be comfortable in the ride. And I, a lot of times those, those little kids working their summer jobs like to press that bar down on it to where you're, I'm not comfortable anymore. As a matter of fact, I can't even breathe. And so what I've learned is, is to make myself fatter. Not that I'm trying to get fat. I make myself by, I lift up more, push more. And when they bring that bar down and they walk away, I get skinny. And it's like, it's all good because I'm comfortable now. 
But you, you see what I'm saying? We just don't like it. How many, you know, we love Thanksgiving. You love different times where you have a feast, right? But right after that feast, it, it's, it, it's not something where you feel comfortable. Well, m- maybe you do. I mean, maybe I'm just talking about myself. But I can tell you right now, I do a lot of the cooking on Thanksgiving. I just love to do it. And I'm training my boys to do it. And Matthew's doing quite a bit of it now. And so in that, the cook, now I get it. You cooking all that stuff, it's like when it's served on the table, you've been hungry for hours before anybody else. They're just getting hungry because now they're starting to smell it. I've been hungry while I was mixing ingredients. There was no smell. And so all of a sudden, you just like, and you're done. And everybody else is enjoying their meal. And I'm, I'm like, I'm gone. I mean, I can't, I, you know, it's like unbuckle your pant time. And so, not that I wear buckled pants on Thanksgiving. I make sure it's elastic. We make it comfortable in our house. There is no fancy Thanksgiving dinners. There's home Thanksgiving dinners. Not that we're walking on chonies, but I'm just saying, you know, we're comfortable. Amen? All right. That's why you might think, I wonder why he never invites me. That's why. <laughs> we want to be comfortable, right? We want, we want to be comfortable, though, a lot, a lot of times through life, even if it's you know, not our fault, we feel uncomfortable. Amen? So we're going to look at these things and, and get ourselves real help in the situations. This is something I want us to look at. Um, I, I, I got these specific information in the area of being uncomfortable and just how it deals with our mind and psyche as far as psychological pictures about this. But listen, this. putting yourself in a new and unfailure situation triggers a unique part of the brain. This is so awesome. Okay, Pay attention to this. Put it, so when you're getting into that place, it's like, it's like getting into that first job, and you're like going, you, you have an understanding, you went to school for it, you, you have experience, but you're going in that first job. And it's not like you feel comfortable. It's, it's, it's the unease of, of just not knowing your future in that first day. So you're feeling a little, ah, oh, man. But this is what, we, what, this what has been found in the area of the mind when you, when you involve yourself with something like this. That brand new thing. And this is so important to understand, okay? When you bring yourself in a new or unfamiliar situation, it triggers a unique part of the brain that releases dopamine. Now, dopamine, if you don't know what that is, it's the the chemical in the brain that, that feels good. So when you get that released, your body, your mind, everything starts feeling really good. So it makes you happy. All right? It's like a legal drug your body makes. And this is something very interesting because what's happening is, is in our perception and then a lot of times in our feeling, we don't feel that comfortability. We feel pressure. But what scientists have found is that your mind in that new unfamiliar position, your mind is creating something opposite of what you're expecting, what you're, you're moving toward a fear of anxiety, 
this, this feel of, of ugliness, in all actuality, your brain, God created, is releasing something nicer. Isn't that interesting? We need to learn to give in to that, amen? Because it's there for you. And it says, one, it, it activates that, that dopamine, and that unique region of the brain is only activated when you see or experience completely new things. That's the only time it's activated. I don't know about you, but we're talking about a free drug. Let's activate that thing. Amen? Let's activate that thing. Let's get that thing. Let's move into this new stuff. So, man, ooh, yeah, there it is. Listen to this quote. If you want something in life that you've never had, you'll have to do something that you've never done. You guys have all heard that. Right? If you want something in life that you've never had, you're going to have to do something that you've never done. And what do we see most people doing? We want something we've never had, and we continue to do what we've always done. And we do this yearly. New Year's resolutions. We do all this on a consistent basis. And if we're looking at the majority, we're just looking at plain statistics, we're looking at the flow of people that don't change. The majority of people flow in this constant, monotonous way of life, and there is no change. Even though wanting change is there, desiring change is there, hungering for change is there, until you do something that you've done that you haven't done before, you'll stay in that flow of life. And people don't get it. They feel that their emotions or their, their desires, just that feeling of things need to be different, will fix it. But it won't. There has to be change. Because change isn't change until it's changed. Amen? Amen? So we, live, we love that comfort zone, and, and we love to be comfortable. Amen? We just love to be comfortable. And I, listen, I get it. Just based upon how training affects and influences our new life in Christ. And so because of the old way of training, the old, that what the Bible calls the old man or the old nature, because that continues to operate in our lives. Now remember, this is not the spiritual area, it's the soulish area. And the soulish area is your mind, will, and your intellect, your emotions. The process that we work here on earth as far as life in general, we're dealing with each other. And so in that area of soul, that emotional area, we operate based upon how the mind processes, what it's thinking, what has been, what has been inputted in this big old computer, and that input comes out. And that's every person on planet Earth. And so the only way to change what's coming out is to change what's inside the information. And so you start processing what information needs to change. Well, you can't do that unless there's new information that's coming against the old information. You hear what I'm saying? 
So as long as, you're st- as long as you see or perceive or hear or view old information, that's what stays within you. That's why there has to be this transition, this, this transfer that takes place when you receive Jesus and when you start walking this new life following the Lord, there has to be things that change, a process of change. And it doesn't happen overnight. And when you try to make it happen overnight, everything screws up. It's a process. Because when it comes down to God, God is all about people. So that means you get this new life and you have these old friends. Now, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't feel what you do now. Because they're still like you were. But see, because of your zeal and excitement, you're wanting them to come on your journey. Now, some might, most won't. That's all I can tell you. And when you try to force things or make things happen, when someone's not on that place, you create an ugliness of religion. See, everything about God is the process of his flow. And I'm not saying everybody has a specific time to get saved. What I'm saying is, is everybody has a different journey than the one you're on. Now, some can coincide and some can look the same or whatever. But the point is, is you can't assume everybody's where you're at. Do you guys follow me? And so this is why it's so critical to understand this, because what happens is, is we get born again. We have this new life. And God's now saying, now we need to transform yourself through the renewing of information. And the renewing of the information isn't a wipeout. It isn't where, where you go in and, and, you know, your brain goes, are you sure you want to delete? Yes. Are you double sure you want to delete? Yes. Are you sure you want to delete? Yes or yes to all? Yes to all. And you're just, you know, and, and we'll keep going and going and going. Finally, delete, and you become, I'm a Christian now. Everything's perfect. And that's how most Christians are introduced to the faith. It's ugly. Because I guarantee you, it is the number one cause of failure, guilt, and condemnation of all believers in that area. Because they haven't received new information correctly. And it's a process. It's a process. That's why the process of everything, school, information, has to be a process that we, instructors, teachers, or fellow, you know, students, have to understand that everybody's receiving at where they're at. And some can be good this week, and next week they suck. You see what I'm saying? It all depends on what's going on, what they're dealing with, the issues. And we understand that. We should understand that. But the common goal is we're all moving forward. Amen? We're all moving forward. And a lot of times in your zeal and excitement, you want to press and push people with you. It's like, come on, you're moving too slow. Well, God never created or, or placed his word and information with that type of concept at all. It's about you and your journey and your relationship with him. But also there's an understanding that it can evolve over to other people. So don't drag your feet, especially if you're married or you have kids. Amen. Time to change. Time to change. So we love to be in the comfort zone, but we don't want to understand 
what it takes to be successful in life. The comfort zone is that repetitious life. It just, you don't have to really think too much about it. You just, it just happens. You just live in life, live in life, live in life. It, it's, it's, I'm sure parents, you can get this, but you, that child comes on the scene and it's like, blink, and they're not that child no more. And you're like, man, it was too fast. It was way too fast. And it's been years. But the feeling is, is they get to that place of, of they're older in a real short period of time. They're like, it's, it's an amplified version of a puppy. Every, puppies, you wish puppies would stay puppies. But they don't. They become dogs. To feel real purpose in life, you must overcome the feeling of pressure. Okay? The reason why is, is, is we believe that the pressure and the, 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 the place of being uncomfortable is something that we just got to get over. We just got to, you know, I just got to deal with it. And that in itself is, is a lack of understanding of the information of Scripture. Because once you, once you see what God is seeing, and, and even in, you know, the Scripture, there's all kinds of good stories that help us understand that you can be going through hell and and end up on top of the world. But it's just how you're dealing with these type of issues in your life. And that's what I want to solve. I want everybody in the sound of my voice out there in here to be able to understand that. Because again, we're, we're looking at your success on Monday, your success in life. For yourself, if you're married, for you and your spouse, or, or if you have kids, for your kids. I mean, we're in it for success. But it's never just about you, ever. It's about everyone. And that's what God wants you to understand. And so you're, you're actually, your destiny is bigger than you could ever think or assume. It's large. And we need to understand the importance of it. When we're looking at truth and we're looking at facts, we're starting to realize, wait a minute, there are things that I need to pay attention to, things I need to understand because God is wanting to reveal to me information to help me. Just as a pregnancy, the mom at, at the point says, enough, time to go. And she pushes that child out, pushes, and has to push. And that is to say, your time is now. Ready or not, it's time now. And all of a sudden, boom, the child goes into what? A whole different life, a whole different way of life. And, it, and it's not where... A child comes out, and parents, you can attest to this, and I don't think this has ever been proven anywhere on planet Earth, where a child comes out, it's like, <laughs>, laughs. No way. What do they do? Cry. Why? Because this is not comfortable anymore. It was comfortable. I, you know, I, was, I, was, I, had, you know, I was breathing fish way, but now I'm going, <gasps> You know, and what is this? <gasps> no, this is different. Life's different now. Amen. There's light, cameras, action. Ah, ah, ah. But again, it's a picture. It's a type. It's something that we look at and go, you know, sometimes we need push into that position of getting uncomfortable into a life unknown. And that's what we should be helping one another. 
in areas where they're going, well, I don't know if I can do it. And we should be pushing them going, no, you can do it. We should be, be being true friends. We're wanting your success. We want you to, to have the best marriage and the best family. Not, let's get together and, and, and rip each other. Let's get together and tear apart each other's home. Tear apart each other's marriage. Tear, let's get together so we can gossip and divide and destroy. We should never be that way. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, maybe don't, but I don't care. God does, and that's all that matters. He knows. Go argue with him. But somehow we think we need to get other people to be as miserable as we are. It's just the wrong way of life. If you pay attention to Scripture, you'd realize that God hates that stuff. Yeah, I said the word hate. He hates it. He despises that kind of life. And it's not the way we're supposed to react or be. And I know a lot of Christians, man, they, they water the, and fluff this thing and put makeup on it, you know, and do anything they can to make this type of life okay. It isn't okay. I don't care how many YouTube followers you have. It's not okay to rip other Christians. Yeah, but they were this and they did this. Oh, so what? What are you, Jesus? Man, I, I just, it's amazing to me that these people are making existence of ripping other Christians that have fallen. And the only people that are really building their life is other Christians that want to hear bad about other Christians. Who cares? It's, it's ugly. It's so far away from the life of Jesus and the way he has it for us. But it's the nature of the flesh. And most Christians, they don't even really understand that. They don't get that old nature because they live it on a consistent basis. Instead of challenging yourself to change. Understanding the importance of getting more like this not more like your past. It's a requirement for success. You've got to let go of the old way. And it's, listen, I'm not saying this is a simple thing, but it is the right thing. Amen? It's the right thing. Don't be those people. Who cares? It's just wrong. People are not perfect. People do dumb. People do stupid. People make bad choices, just like you. But the point is, is for us to be able to promote and, and pick apart other people because they don't align up to our perfection, which I don't care who they are, they're not perfect. It's just an ugly place to be. And I believe everybody should steer clear of that garbage. Everybody. It's just not good. Not good. Amen? First Peter 4.12 says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering. Listen to this. Do not be surprised at this great pressure, this, this place of being so uncomfortable. Don't be surprised. Now look at this. Don't be surprised that you're going through this as though something strange were happening to you. And that's how most of us deal with these issues. We're like, oh, how come? Why me? Why me? This is like written to us, isn't it? 
How come it's happening to me? No one feels the way I feel. <laughs> Isn't this crazy? Scripture hits on so many things that we deal with, and you're like going, that's in the Bible? Yeah, it is. It's amazing how much information is in here that can help us transform and change. But he says to do what? Don't be surprised by this stuff. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be in a position of thinking that this should never be a part of your life. No, we're to know that it's going to come. We know that it's going to come. Even Jesus said these things are going to come. He said they came on me. They're going to come on you. You're going to have these different times of pressure, these different times where you're feeling, why? What's going on? I don't like this feeling. Well, then once we get this understanding, we can deal with that feeling. Because when that position of being uncomfortable comes in, oh, I know it. I know it. So when you're feeling uncomfortable in that job interview or the first day of job, you're going, oh, I know this feeling, but I got comfort in knowing that I'm above it. Yeah, but what if you don't get the job? What if it doesn't? Inside here, you're like going, it's all good. All things work out together for good for those who love the Lord. And I love him and are called according to his purposes. I'm called. Once I received him, he placed me in the body of Christ. Every person that says, Jesus, I believe in you, I receive you. You're Lord. You're my Lord. The person that calls the name of Jesus, you are instantly given his faith, placed in his body, and you are now important. And you might think, how? Because Jesus went to the cross for you. Shed his blood for you. Paid the penalty for you. Oh, you're worth it. You just don't see that value. Why? Because you don't see the information yet. Because when that information starts flooding in, things start happening. I like when Peter says in um, 2 Peter, he says, grace be multiplied to you. Grace be multiplied. Most Christians look at grace as one thing. Just grace, okay. God's grace. But that's not factual in Scripture as far as understanding grace because it's far bigger than just the concept of by grace I'm saved through faith. In other words, by grace I'm saved through faith. Okay, Jesus did that. That's grace. And it, he did it, and it's for me. And then we, we stop the education. We stop education. But... Scripture makes it very clear that that grace is something that we have to continue to multiply in. How? Well, let's go there since I brought it up. It's not. Second Peter. That was tongues, by the way. Um, where is that? Grace be multiplied. Oh, verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Look at this. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace. But look at grace right now. Grace be multiplied. Everybody say multiplied. So see how much grace you got in you. And you can see in conversation, you can see in people's life, how much grace is in them. Just by how they react, how they act, 
how they operate in life, how they communicate. So you can have a level of grace in this type of relationship that's different than this type of relationship. You can have a greater grace for your kid than for someone else's kid. Oh, parents, you might as well just do this because your kids are like perfect. They don't do nothing wrong. You see it. You call it out, but no one else is allowed to. No one else is ever allowed to say anything, anything negative about your kid. Even though you know it's 100% true, but it doesn't matter. It's how dare you. In your head, you could list 100 reasons why, how dare they. But it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's like, you know, the, 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 the Little League family all watching the game, and, and the ump is, you know, calling strikes on your kids, and, and he didn't make the right call, and everybody hates him. But it's interesting, the Little League parents on the other side are going, we love you, ump. You're the greatest. You're the greatest ump in the world until he makes a wrong call. And all of a sudden, we hate you, ump. We hate everything about you. And this side's over there. Can I come over for lunch? I love you. Isn't that amazing how people are? But again, it's all tied to the life of grace. Amen? The life of grace. So it says we are to what? Multiply in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus. How does grace be multiplied? Through knowledge. So we have to increase the knowledge. Grace is powerful. And that grace gives you the ability to overcome in every area of life because it gives you an understanding, a foundation of love that most people in the faith have no clue whatsoever. That's why most Christians live in a life of feeling that God's ready to kick them out any day, that God's just ready to just blast them, bring out a thunderbolt of sickness and disease, ready to just slam another car into you. I mean, he's just ready to do something bad and mean because you're just a bad, mean person. And that's how most Christians look at our Father, which violates Scripture, but they don't care because they don't know it. It's just bad instruction, bad teaching. But we know the truth, and that truth does what? It sets us free. Because we only know one person that does steal, kill, and destroy, and that ain't God. That's the devil, amen? Which, by the way, Scripture tells us. Scripture shows us. And so when we understand that, we have a freedom to be free with our God and to live a life with Jesus that we're supposed to be living. And that's what? It's bigger than us, amen? It's bigger than us. So we look at this stuff and we go, okay, now I'm getting it. So we can't freak out. We can't be surprised. We can't go, oh, my gosh, why is this happening? we got to understand that God is giving us information to help us in the time of pressure and trials. Amen? I mentioned um, all things work together. It's Romans 8.28. Again, we know in all things. He didn't say for all things. He said in all things. That, that is a problem with religion. They twist this information. And they make it to where you should be giving God thanks that he gave you cancer. Because we're to be grateful and for all things. No, he did not say that. You should be glad that you got in that car wreck. And yeah, people died, but hey, 
This is ugly, lies, deception, evil. He's saying in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, in the midst of whatever it is, we don't have to have the mindset of destruction and, and death and, and all the things that most people are looking at. But we are to recognize that he can work for good in the midst of ugly. And that's what's so wonderful about our God. Oh, my gosh, we got to get this stuff. Amen? Listen, God's so much more concerned about your purpose over your comfort. Okay? So much more concerned about purpose. In purpose, we can live in comfort. But he's not sitting there going, oh, I need to get them a new car, and I need to make, oh, they're feeling rough today. Let me, let me get them this, and let me take care of this. And, oh, they need a swimming pool. And, and, and they all, you know, miss in church, not even, you know, they have no attention to God whatsoever. But God's so concerned about their comfort. No, it's not the God we serve. He's concerned about purpose. And in purpose, all you have to do is read Genesis and Revelation. In purpose, oh, my gosh, all the things of comfort are there. Amen. But don't think that he's all consumed about your comfort. He's all consumed about your purpose. And that's something we all need to remember. Amen? And sometimes we need a little push out of that comfort zone. Amen? Push, push. There it is. Amen? You know, I, um, a while back, I, I, I made some statements about eagles. And I, and I watched this documentary on eagles and research some information about them. It's pretty interesting. Because I know Christians are good at making comments that aren't really real. And I've heard some statements about eagles when they're trying to you know, intertwine it with Scripture that aren't true statements. But I found this interesting about what I'm talking about and what eagles do. And eagles build, I, this was amazing to me, but their, their nests are massive. I think the largest recorded nest was like, uh, I'm not positive on this, but let's just, I, I think I'm close. It's like 10 feet wide, 20 feet deep. An eagle's nest, largest ever recorded. Isn't that amazing? But their nests are so large because, you know, their wingspan is six feet, five, six feet. So when they build that nest, they build it sturdy, they build it strong, and it's very rough and and and. St- Stickery and and just it's not smooth when they're building that thing because it has to be powerful, it has to be strong. And so they're putting things in there that'll poke you and everything else. But after the eagle is done with finishing that that main frame of the nest, it starts laying down feathers and soft things. Everything just to bring a little comfort, softness, smoothness in that prickly nest. And then she has her eaglets. And usually it's two. So they're growing up in a comfort zone. And it's all cushy and feeling. It's like a down comforter. Everybody like down comforters? They're like, oh, yeah. My, half my family, Daniel and Pastor Lau, they like down comforters when it's 118 outside. <laughs> they just like little blankies. It's just the way they are. But I'm like going, I don't know how you can do it, you know. But the point is, is you like that. It's just so, ooh. And so that eagle's raised in that. 
until it's time for them to get out of there. And the, the, the mama eagle does different things, amazing things, to get that kid out of the nest. But one thing it does is it starts removing all the softness of that nest and starts making it uncomfortable. See, a lot of times we're looking at life and thinking about, I don't want no uncomfort. I want no uncomfort. Because you're living that monotonous life where there's nothing, nothing different. And we all, we all in some ways have that. We, we drive to work constantly. And even a lot of times, if you're like me, you drove to work and you don't even realize that you drove to work. It's like you don't even think. Is that light red? Man, I, I just don't remember. Like I said, if you're like me. But the point is there are times when you're just, you're just cruising right along, and it's not like you're not thinking much about how to get to work, are you? I mean, it's not even coming up your mind. There's everything else but driving that's in your mind. And I've seen a lot of you. A lot of you are checking Instagram and Facebook and crazy people, crazy people, and I hope you're not one of them, because that is so bad, and then all of a sudden, when you get out of church, you watch what happens, you're going to be driving down the road, and there's a love life, stay off your phones when you're driving, amen, y'all got that, that's why I have a, I, I, sometimes I, I text someone, because I was like, I, I wanted to get some information about it, and then I realized, oh man, they're driving, and no matter what, I'm going to get a text back. And I'm like going, ah, that's my fault. I shouldn't have texted them then. But anyway, just for the person that's listening, when I text you when you're driving home, don't text me back right away. Unless you're at a red light. If you're at a red light, you can go for it. Anyway, just, I know it's, it's right now, it's very quiet in here. And people are going, is he done yet? Is he done yet? Anytime you get to places where people are, um, have a, not good habit in, they get quiet. Just facts, amen? So we need, sometimes we need to remove that comfort. Get that comfort out. It's comfortable not even working out. It's comfortable not watching what you eat. It's comfortable not counting calories. It's comfortable, you know, buying whatever. It's comfortable. That's comfortable living. You don't have to think too much. Just do it. Eat. Get up. Go to bed. It's life. It's, it, you just do it. But when you want success, you, when you want change, all of a sudden you've got to go into the uncomfortable zone. The zone you're like going, ah. The zone you're like going, ah, oh, man, I, I worked out two days already this week. I need to do it again. But that breaks real quickly when you see the benefit of what you're doing. When you see the, the change in how you eat and how much you're eating, and when you see the change of just starting to walk or starting to do things that are, are raising your heart rate above, you know, laying on a couch with your remote control, you start seeing it. And when you start seeing it, you start saying, wait a minute. Just by doing this a little bit, things are getting different. But it was uncomfortable. Amen. It was uncomfortable. Those that have done Daniel fast. It's uncomfortable, 
those that are fit for life. It's uncomfortable. I mean, they're t- it's uncomfortable, but it doesn't matter. It's a good thing. And we're realizing, wait a minute, even though these might be uncomfortable, I like the results of it. That's the difference of mindset. I can enter into something that doesn't, it's normally, I don't like this. But because I have wisdom and understanding, I get this scripture where, don't be surprised, to where now I'm like going, it's okay. It's okay. Mommy Eagle's trying to get me out. Time for me to fly. Time to fly, Eagle, fly up into the sky. All right. Let me give you three steps to bring comfort in the uncomfortable. Three steps to bring comfort in the uncomfortable. Number one, clear your mind. Clear your mind. This, I, I literally got natural information tied to scriptural principle. Because I want us to understand what that literally means. Because we assume that clear your mind means nothing's going to be in your mind anymore. Which is no way the truth. But once you understand this area, you can understand how to get this focus correctly. And I, I learned this a few years back. I start. I think the greatest teacher of this information is when I started listening to Scripture before in bed. I put, you know, a little earpiece here, and I put Scripture on, and I fall asleep every night. For years I've been doing this. Every night, listen to Scripture. Now, I'm not listening to much Scripture. Let me tell you right now, the way I, the way I rest is is. I'll start listening, and I'm gone instantly. But there are things I've learned early on that when I would lay down that I couldn't go to sleep instantly. But once I got one thought focused, it would happen. Once I brought it into one thought, one vision, one view of something, everything lined up. And it's an amazing thing because I can go right now and go through the process of why am I still up? And I can see I'm going all over the place. I started thinking this way, and all of a sudden it took me into a whole different area. It's because my mind's going in different directions. But once I get it back into one thought, boom, I'm out. And listen to this. Neuroscientists at Brown University recently confirmed in a study that the key to optimal inattention, optimal inattention. That means trying to get your mind calm, not having all this stuff in there, lies in occupying your mind with something else through distraction. You can't ever completely clear your head, but you can focus your attention to bring clarity of thought. When you concentrate your attention on one thing, you inevitably... Engage the parallel act of purposeful ignoring other things. So when you bring it into that one thought, that one focus, all the other things go in the background. They don't leave your mind. They just go in the background where there's no more attention to them. And you'll see this because you can, you can automatically move back into that other information. And it's instantly, it just comes right back. But if you can stay disciplined enough, keep that one thought, it will literally clear the mind of everything else. 
And that's how you renew the mind. That's how you control the mind. Because Scripture makes it very clear. That's our responsibility. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 5. We take every thought captive. We take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive. Now, again, that's not meaning that we go through life, go, stop it, I get you. No, no, I get you. That's not what it's talking about. That's what people try to define it as. I can't take every thought captive. You can, and you're good at it. It's just we've got to look at the reciprocal of what you're dealing with. Because you can have all things going through life and think of negative thought and only that negative thought. You could be at the job and, and, and be angry with your wife or your kids or your boss. And that's all you think about that whole time, that whole day. And guess what you're doing? You're not sitting there not working. You're working. You're talking with people. You're doing what you're, what you're supposed to be doing. But in your head and in your thought process, you're going crazy. Isn't that interesting? So, yes, you can do that. But the thing is, is we have to learn that we're in this new life. That demands, everybody say the word demand. It demands us to control what we're thinking. And I can tell you right now, as the many years I've been doing this and the thousands and thousands of people that I've talked to in their Christian walk, this is one of the hardest areas for people to get because they don't want to see that it's about what they're thinking about. They want a magic wand. They want to blame it on the devil. They want to blame it on their wife, Eve, whatever. But they want blame, they want excuse, they don't want to look at, it's because you think that way. People hate it. They don't like it. They'd rather have blame. But I'm sorry. You can blame away all you want. But it's up to what you're thinking about. Because everything about your emotion, everything about you, how you feel, is not what someone else did. It's not because your husband isn't meaning. No, it's how you think. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have bad things happen to you, and it can hurt you, and it can affect you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm not saying that's wrong at all. What I'm saying is, is the power of your ability to think can even control a negative situation. That's a fact. Your anger is not caused by someone Doing something, your anger is caused by what you think. Period. I stay happy and you do angry, I won't be angry. But if I focus and I process that anger, I'm going to be angry. Just as I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be sad. You watch movies or series where you're watching it and you're like, <laughs> make sure no one sees me cry. So you got to clear your mind, amen? Get, get that focus. Get it focused, amen? Second thing, you overcome the fear of failing. Overcome the fear of failing. It's amazing how this, how this has held so many believers in complete bondage. Now, I get it. Failing usually incorporates a lot of ugly, especially with the way other people feel and think about you, all right? But when you start recognizing failure in the area of truth and success, then you can realize a lot of people that like to make fun of failure, they're not successful at all. I, I, I'm guaranteeing that. 
So next time you fail in something and you got that little, you know, cheerleading squad ripping you, I guarantee, look at them all and you're not going to see the definition of success. You will never find it. Only people that are successful understand failure, know how to deal with failure correctly. But here's another example of, of information I, I'm sure you'll love. Studies done over 30 years interviewing millionaires. 30 years interviewing millionaires. This is what they've said. It's not our failures that determine our future success, but how we explain it to ourselves. Isn't that amazing? How we explain failure to ourselves. How do you explain failure to yourself? I guarantee you most of the time, it isn't try, try again. It's probably very hard, very rough. Amen? Wouldn't you guys agree with that? So what we have to understand is, is, hey, failure means at least I was doing something. At least I was doing something. And then let's move up to the right level of how to deal with this issue. It's, it's, it's better to fail than never to try. I mean, that's a fact. And if you've been in, brought up in any type of, of, of sport, any, you'll understand you're going to have tons of failure. Tons. It's just, it's just the way it is. You're learning. School, you're going to have failure. And then the position of failure, you can continue to go down the life of failure by how you define it, how you see yourself, and how your parents, how people talk to you. Or you can understand failure doesn't define me. I understand what it is and, and what it's about so I can recognize that the failure was a lack of information, lack of knowledge, lack of clarity. All I have to do is fill the gaps, and I won't fail there anymore. And so they said this. The ones at the highest range, the highest level of you know, billionaires, have typically failed the most. You, would, you wouldn't think that. You'd be thinking the ones that fail the most have to be the brokest, right? But that's not true. Because there comes a time where a wall, a wall failure stops you and you go, I can't do it anymore. But the ones that make the highest love are the ones that go, I'll never stop. I don't care if I continue to fail every single day. I'm not stopping. And those are the ones that get the highest level. Isn't that interesting? That is so powerful. So they learn from those failures and they learn to counter the discomfort of the failure to move forward and finally take the plunge despite feelings of uncertainty and doubt. Listen to this. Failure is an asset. And they learn to see it exactly that way. Is that something? It's an asset. I learned this early on, not understanding it completely, but learn the principle of it. Early on in life, when I was playing uh, high school sports, because once you get to a certain level, there's an elimination of the player pool. Everybody's a star when they're in fifth, sixth grade. So everybody's a star. Everybody's going to be a professional, this or that. But all of a sudden, it starts weeding away. That's why parents... Don't prop up your kids like they're going to be, you know, superstars and they're playing t-ball. No, build them up and get them to do the fundamentals and everything. Don't pump them up like they're going to be the next, you know, whatever. 
That, that's, that's not even reality. In anything in life, you train through perspective. And you understand perspective through where each person is at. It doesn't mean that you can't give them hope or expectation, but that hope and expectation can be fantasy. And when you bring up someone up in fantasy, they end up going to American Idol thinking they could sing, and they suck. But that's because of you. I'm telling you right now. I've seen the moms in the, and I, early on when I watched that program, like a, when it first started, and I would watch them. They'd get up there, and I swear, they thought they were, they, not kind of, they believed they were the greatest. And they'd get up there, and, and the mom's like going, and everybody else is like, what? You know, get out of here. But parents do this all the time, all the time. But anyway, ultimately, the level you get at you know, it's going to break a lot of hearts because at one time you were, you know, you were super all-star and now you're like, you're the shortest or the biggest or whatever, and you're not at that level anymore. That doesn't mean you quit. doesn't mean you, you know, stop loving whatever. It means that this is life and how life is in reality. But I started understanding that failure and the consequence of it was something important because if I'm not failing, I'm not trying. And I watched guys not try because they didn't want to get yelled at or they didn't want to be front of people or they didn't want the coach to, you know, pick them out. But I learned, this is amazing, but I learned early on that my failures to be picked up would always help me. And one time my coach came to me and a couple other guys pulls aside and said, why am I ripping on you? Why are you getting blasted? And each one of us said, because you hate us? <laughs> you know, it's not because you don't like us. But the thing that he wanted us to understand is, is this is how you become successful. Because it's when you don't get talked to. And when the coach doesn't care is when you know you're no longer relevant. But as long as you're relevant and there's an importance and there's a drive and there's something within you, you're going to be corrected. And so I loved it. I looked for it. Now, at the time, you're like going, quit picking on me. But ultimately, I realized that it's an important part of success. Now, I didn't understand these principles, but I got it just through what I saw. Because the guys that wouldn't make it go to the next level, the coaches weren't talking much to them, didn't do much. And they'd love to quit. When they do the runs, they'd always like to walk. They wouldn't do, you know, whatever it was, they didn't want to go the extra mile. They didn't want to get the thing done. And so they'd start coasting, coasting completely. I watched it all the time. Each sport I played, and I played all three. In each sport I saw different people that, that some had giftings, but they just didn't want to do what was required to get to that next level. So they'd coast. They wouldn't run the fastest. They'd run like everybody else. And it was amazing because you'd always see those that press more were always elevated to another level. It's interesting to see all that. But this is something that I learned. Now, in the area of failing, scripturally, we have all kinds of failures, all of us. Amen? And the scripture helps us understand that in Philippians 3.13. 
And that is what? We've got to learn how to forget the past. Forget the past. It's like Paul said, this, this one important thing I do for the success of my life and calling in God is I forget, and in the Greek word, literally is forgetting. A constant reminder to don't allow the past, the past to affect your today, which will impact your future. I've got to forget it. Let me explain this to everybody in here, even though y'all know this. Everything you've done wrong, all the things that you've ha had happen in your life, they don't disappear. They're there in your mind. Everything. But it's all determined on how you are growing and maturing in your understanding of the Word of God, in your faith, to what category of information room they're in. Because ultimately, there are things that I don't even remember or think about, but they're there. All I have to do is recall them. And you allow yourself to go back and recall and to pull up. You can pull up all the ugly, but at one point in your life, it was they're not even there. You see what I'm saying? In other words, it's all dependent on you. You can put that ugly stuff and throw it in the past, lock the door, and it will never come out unless you unlock the door. And you can go good months, years, and then have a bad week, have a bad month, have a bad whatever, and all of a sudden you're getting keys out. You're going back, start unlocking things. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, I remember that. It's amazing. And all of a sudden your life is going a whole different course, all because of you are not forgetting the past. It's there, though. Don't just believe me. It's there. Don't listen to the Christian go, oh, you just get rid of it and it'll go and it'll never, you'll never think of it. No, it's a lie. But you can be in a position where you won't think about it again because you've chosen not to. And it's a place where you don't, it's not even part of you. And your life proves it. Like I said, I've talked to some of these guys. Through the years, I've talked to guys that scared me. But when you see them, they're like going, good Christian boys. And then they start talking about their past. You're like going, should I call the police? Or, I mean, do I need a bodyguard? With, you know, what is it? But you do. You think, this is like, ah. But when you're looking at them, when you're seeing them, you don't see that. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there isn't something that you've done in your past that should never be brought up because some of these are testimonies. Some of these are things that change other people's lives. Some of, these, some of these testimonies are where people go, oh, my gosh, so you can make it. Oh, so you can have another start. Oh, so you can be fixed. Because if we all hide this stuff like nothing and we're all perfect, no one's getting help. No one's getting help. You've got to be able to overcome pride, overcome areas that, well, what do they think? Who cares? Look where you are now. It doesn't matter. It's where you are now and how you have the ability to help. Because Paul, man, he's got, his, he's got his underwear out. Everybody sees it. I mean, he was killing Christians. But what did he have to do? He had to forget the past. But it was written 
for eternity. You get this? Hey, I was there, Paul says, been there, done that. But one thing I do, me personally, I let that stuff go because it's not going to control me. Because otherwise, I could be crying all day about how mean of a, of a person I was to the Christian faith that I'm now part of. And I could hate myself because of the evil I've done. But he doesn't. He moves on and becomes the greatest force outside of Jesus of all the disciples. Is that amazing? That's awesome, is it not? Thank you, Jesus. Number three, this is the key. Put God first. And what that means is put God's ways first in your life. It must become priority number one. If you want success in life and you want to overcome the feeling of, of, of the pressures and how to deal with anything, anything in this area of life, this is so important to understand that God must be prioritized. When God becomes priority number one, other things start lining up that you want to be better in your life. Guarantee you, when you, marriages, families, issues, 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 and it's amazing how they fight against God first. It's an amazing thing. It's how we can be so selfish and self-centered. And we lose sight of the impact of what Jesus was talking about, about living here on earth, not eternity, living here on earth. Living here on earth, he's saying, you are so freaked out, and you're fearful, and you're worried and consumed about stuff. And he said, that should now be your priority. God should be priority. His ways, his kingdom should be priority number one. Number one. And when it is priority number one, it impacts the whole home in a whole different area. It impacts your life in a whole different area. Look at this. The way you view the world around you reveals the filter through which you see the world. The way you view the world around you reveals the filter through which you see the world. You've created this filter through your reactions to the various life events that you have lived through. You literally live life through interpretation. That's how people can be in something and, and communicate their feeling and experience, and you might have went through the whole thing and go, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Someone can be so traumatic and, oh, my God, it was the worst thing in the world. And another person just went through the same thing and went, well, it was bad, but I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. What, what's the difference? Interpretation. And your interpretation is what? Through your life experiences. Or your interpretation is through the Word. See, that's where God wants you. Be able to interpret what the Word of God says to overcome your interpretation. Because if you don't, you will experience everything that you're experiencing. Everything. You're going to live through your interpretation of whatever. Your interpretation of events, your interpretation of life, your, inter your interpretation. What you define, how you perceive it. And you'll experience everything about it. And that's why someone can go and go, no, man, you need to do this, this, and this. And you can fight for your right to think bad and feel bad. Or you change. Like Scripture says, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Are you guys hearing me? 
It is let it snow. I know that. We're a cars family anyway. Matthew 6, 3 says this. Seek first. Seek first. And that's zeteo, the seek first. Zeteo, and that means to seek through the process of thought. Seek through the process of thought. So you seek through the process of thinking first, priority, or the beginning. Seek first the kingdom of God. What do we do? Prioritize God's way of doing things. When you hear kingdom of God, God's way of doing things. What does God say? What does God say? Y'all different, different. Everybody's dealing with different issues. More are streaming than others. I'm going to tell you right now, this is, this is the key for your life. And I know you might not be able to see it because of the level of uncomfortability you're in right now. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you the honest truth that the life of comfort is sitting there. And it has the ability to change this whole surrounding of what you're in to where you know how to deal with it. That's where we all need to get, amen? We all need to be there, all of us. Proverbs 3, 6 says this, and everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. These are important truths. We understand there's going to be pressures, and we're not going to feel comfortable in everything in life, but we have the understanding, we have the information to get us to a place where, okay, I can deal with that. And when I get in that position, I'm not going to go, wow, where did this come from? I'm not going to be surprised. I'm going to be in a place where, okay, okay, we can, I can get through this. I can get through this. No matter how I feel, no matter how ugly I am that day, no matter what, I can be in a position of comfort. Amen? And that's where we need to live. We need to live this position where Jesus says, I've come to set you free. I have come to set you free. And so we need to relieve, we need to believe and receive his truth of being truly free. Amen? And that comes through knowledge and information. I'm going to multiply in grace. Are you? Amen. We get it through the knowledge of God's word. We get it through the knowledge of his, who he is. And that's where we're going with this. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of the word of God. And we experience that truth because it is alive. It is a living word. And if you're in this morning, you're out there in live stream right now, and you have never received Jesus, I'd like you to give that opportunity right now. Call on his name. Simple, easy. Get him in your life, and you get it by saying, Jesus, come into my life. Say this with me. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life, Jesus. When you call in the name of Jesus, he comes. That's the scripture. Very clear. Call in the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Anybody in here, if you've never received Jesus, say this with me. Receive him now. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I receive you. That's why I'm talking to you. Thank you, Jesus, for answering what I'm asking you to do. If you prayed that prayer in here, if you prayed that prayer in there, just click the button, raise your hand. We have a booklet for you. If anyone in here, this is the first time you've ever done it, we have something for you out there. If you like it, just get in touch with us. We'll send it to you free. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth of the word of God. We thank you for lives being changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Love you guys. You're awesome.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.